done with the first portion of what I'm calling Satanic Introspection from a portion of Milton's Paradise Lost in which Satan is contemplating why he fell from heaven, from paradise, from union with God, the divine, the ultimate ideal. And this is going to be a bit confusing, I'm sure, just as it was very confusing to me. Because, especially in our modern day, it's hard to see pride as being this cardinal vice that leads to separation from the divine. And I thought about going through a long explanation of what led me to choose this section. There are many more beautiful uh, portions that speak to Adam or Eve um, in unison with the divine or speaking in praise of God. But just as William Blake and Shelley these great minds of literature and poetry thought that Satan is in some ways the anti-hero of this story. And much of the most interesting aspects of this poem are found in the lines that are spoken by Satan. And why is that? Why, why would those be the most interesting? And just as many other people have said, um, I think it comes down to the fact that we can all identify with vice, whereas it's a little harder for most, if not all of us, to empathize and identify with divinity or saintly saintliness. But each of these things that Satan talks about, I think we can see in ourselves, if not the fullness of the concepts, we see them creeping into our lives every day and into our minds and even the trajectory of our souls. So let's go line by line and see if we can't uh, gain some insight into how vice corrupts a soul and how that soul might choose to justify that evil or to come to terms with it but first line O thou that with surpassing glory crowned so here he's saying O thou God has surpassing glory crowned. So right off the bat, the first line is this ed, this admittal that this this acceptance that God is the pinnacle. He is the most powerful. And so we start this poem, we start this portion off with this self the self-awareness and we'll see that going through. Next line. Lookest from thy soul dominion, like the god of this new world. 
lookest from thy soul dominion like the god of this new world lookest from so he's saying lookest from his own dominion heaven this place where god reigns supreme and no other force supersedes god's dominion over that his dominion over heaven dominion like the god of this new world like the god of this new world i think it's interesting that he says like here because isn't god the god of this new world this new world being god's creation of earth and everything in it at whose sight all the stars hide their diminished heads so again here he's just repeating the fact that god is magnificent he is all-powerful. And even the stars hide their diminished heads in relation to this brightness that comes off of the divine. Next line. To thee I call, but with no friendly voice. To thee I call. So he's saying, God, and I, I know you're listening. And I'm going to speak all of this with the knowledge that you are listening and you can hear what I'm saying, but with no friendly voice. So he's almost saying all these things, He's all the things that he's going to say, he's going to say in spite of the divine. And add thy name, O son, to tell thee how I hate thy beams. So he's equating the sun here with God because if we think of the sun when the sun rises all the stars hide their diminished heads they you can't see the stars during the daylight because the light of the sun overpowers everything in, re in relation to it in the heavens it's only when the sun sets that we're able to see the lesser lights to tell thee how I hate thy beams. So there's this image here of enlightenment and how enlightenment shows our flaws. It shows our failings. It shows all the cracks and crevices that would not be visible in the dark. That bring to my remembrance from what state I fell again. In the dark, things can seem much more beautiful. You don't see the little cracks, the little imperfections. Try and think about why bars are usually dimly lit. Well, from what state I fell. How glorious, once above thy sphere, till pride and worse ambition threw me down. So, how glorious and... We have to go back to theology where it says that Lucifer, before his fall, before Satan's fall, was Lucifer, the, the angel of light. And so when he says all the stars hide their diminished heads, Lucifer is in some ways the brightest of stars. But in relation to the sun, it is relatively nothing. But still, how glorious once above thy sphere, how glorious I, Lucifer, 
was above thy sphere in the presence of God, above this creation that God has made, till pride and worse ambition threw me down. So now he's saying, what was the primary mechanism of my fall? It was pride and worse ambition. So here, here we go. Here's, here's the primary focus that we're going to dissect in a lot of ways. Pride and ambition threw me down. This is interesting here because he doesn't say that pride and worse ambition let him fall or that he himself was the cause of his own fall. He's saying that pride and worse ambition threw him down in some ways that he was not in control of his pride and worse ambition. That these, that these emotions in some ways reflect um, that of Achilles in the Iliad. Uh, they talk of Achilles' rage that overpowers him and that he is not accountable for his actions after this after this overpowering emotion comes in. And so Satan here, he's almost deflecting responsibility. And we'll see that more so as we go on. Warring in, warring in heaven against heaven's matchless king. So now he's saying, I waged war on... <laughs> I waged war in a place where I don't hold the upper hand. Because again, at the beginning he says, from thy sole dominion. So God has control of all the mechanisms of power in that domain. And now Satan's saying, I waged war in that domain against that domain's matchless king. So in some ways he's saying, how how foolish was that of me to expect some type of victory? Ah, wherefore, he deserved no such return from me. So now he's saying, God didn't do anything to deserve this rebellion. Whom he created what I was in that bright eminence. So, out of that domain, he created this angel of light in that bright eminence. So it's almost like God is the source of the light and from that eminence that comes off of the light of God these lesser lights get created and with his good upbraided none. So God did not trick, he did, he did not deceive, he did not do anything unjust to anyone is what he's saying here. Nor was his service hard. His service wasn't even hard. It was easy. What, what could be less than to afford him praise, the easiest recompense, and to pay him thanks? So given that God upbraided none, and that God created Satan in that bright eminence, what could be less than to afford praise to that thing that created you and that upbraided, that deceived, that did wrong to none? 
It is the easiest recompense to afford him praise. It is the easiest thing to do. It is the easiest, um, the easiest repayment of that debt and pay him thanks. How do, yet, all his good proved ill in me and wrought but malice. I think I went through the last line that I did in my recitation, so I'll leave it there for now, and we will pick it up uh, where we left off. See ya. Ha, just kidding. I don't know how I spaced on that, but we will continue at how do, yet. All his good proved ill in me, and wrought but malice. Okay, so we had just gone through that giving praise to that which is praiseworthy is the easiest recompense. Because what he's saying here is that what is less than to afford praise to that thing that gave you life and gave you existence. What is less than to praise that thing? Yet, how do? Yet all his good proved ill in me and wrought but malice. So this is quite a jump, isn't it? He's kind of jumping into, he's jumping from, I should praise. The only sensible thing to do is to praise, because so far he has accepted and even seen himself that God has deceived no one, he has mistreated no one, including himself. And yet, all of this goodness and all of this well, all of this good treatment has wrought but malice, and proved ill in Satan. And then he'll go on to tell us in some ways how this happened. Lifted up so high, I disdained subjection, and thought one step higher would set me highest. So here we go. So Satan, in a lot of ways, sees himself as second only to God. And he is this Lucifer. He is, according to some sources, the angel of light. <coughs> Excuse me. He is the angel of light. He is the brightest of angels. And he sees himself as one step below the ideal, the ultimate, or God. And he says that he disdained subjection. So even though, I should say, I should step back a little bit and say, what makes slavery wrong? If we think about um, some of Paul's letters in the New Testament, he again and again calls himself a slave of God. Remember, we are 
slaves to sin no longer, and now I am a slave to God, to righteousness. And obviously there's a cultural context that goes context that goes into that. Slavery was not the same thing as it is as it is seen to be now. That idea, that concept, that life has changed throughout the years. But what is it to be a slave? You're under in some ways In some ways, you are not in control of your own destiny. But then there's also this um, this happiness of the subordinate. We can think of this way in a somewhat crude way. We can think of the happiness of a dog. A dog is happy being subservient to the master. And why is that? In some ways it's because the dog is happy allowing the master to govern its existence. Because there is this implicit faith in the master that they have the best of intentions as relates that subordinate, that dog. And so if we think about someone like Lucifer or even any other angels, Michael, Gabriel, Michael and Gabriel see no issue with in some ways being slaves to God. But Lucifer, Satan here, he's saying, I disdained subjection. And thought one step higher would set me highest. And then he'll go into saying why a little bit more deeply. Would set me highest and in a moment quit the debt immense of endless gratitude. So burdensome, still paying, still to owe. So now he's saying, this is, so this is the first part of this section that really just it really brings out this amazing concept in my head that I feel in myself is this resentment towards that which you this resentment towards that thing that you owe in a fundamental way so who do we as people in general owe the most to. If we take God out of the equation and we just look at this from a worldly perspective, a lot of us would say our parents. If they were in any way loving, affectionate, um, facilitating of childhood, we carry with us our entire lives this immense and unending debt to those parents. In smaller ways, we can think that we have this feeling of debt when someone does us a favor. Sometimes this can be perverted. It can be bastardized into this tit-for-tat, quid pro quo 
relationship where we're only doing things in order to get something in return. But that's not what we're talking about here. Satan has already explained that God upbraided none. He did not give life and existence and goodness to his creation in order to get something in return. Now, there are going to be a lot of religious thinking people that perhaps rightly would say that that's not exactly true. I would have to think about it. I'm tempted to say it is true, but there are good arguments on the other side of it. But God created us out of his love and not in this, in some ways, petty way where he created us only to repay him with love because it's something that he needs or that he cannot do without. And Satan here is saying that even though he knows that, he cannot bear to be in existential debt to this highest of principles, to this highest thing. And this ate him up inside, this debt immense of endless gratitude, so burdensome, still paying, still to owe. So the debt is never paid. There's never a moment in which he can sit back and say, I did this myself. This is coming from me. We can think back to Mythopoeia. The authentic creators, apart from God, are sub-creators. They do not create. Their creative... Their creative faculties are not practiced outside of the overall creation. It's all subordinate to God. And Satan here is saying that he wants something outside of that existence, where he feels this endless gratitude, never being paid, and always having to think about it. So, this all circles back to pride and worse ambition, thinking that one step higher would set him highest, and in a moment quit that debt immense of endless gratitude. So burdensome. Okay, and that actually does bring me to the end of where I stopped in my recitation, so I got a new job and it's taking a lot of time can't uh, can't generally walk around trying to memorize poems as much as I was before which is sad in some ways but I'm enjoying my new job so I will try my hardest to continue to memorize this and I'll be back soon see ya